Welcome to the Creative Spark podcast. I'm your host, Dominique Faller, and it is my mission to keep your creative spark alive, no matter how crazy your life gets. This podcast will teach you how to find the space to light your creative spark and fire up your creative side business. You can stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us on Instagram at Creative Spark Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by my free physical space challenge. Head over to creativespark.link forward slash space and learn how to clear out the clutter, create a studio anywhere and make space in your life for creativity. Let's dive into today's episode. You are listening to episode 17 of the Creative Spark podcast and today we're talking about skills again, specifically how you can keep learning well beyond school and the most successful creative entrepreneurs, they have to embrace lifelong learning. Now, the idea that we stop learning when we finish high school or university is as outdated as the concept of having one job for the rest of our lives. The industrial mindset is currently being replaced by the entrepreneurial mindset. In the same way, the concept of structured education at the start of our lives is being replaced by a commitment to lifelong, self-directed learning all throughout our lives. Now, just to be clear, education is something that other people bestow on you. Learning is something we do for ourselves. Now, as a university lecturer, I obviously see the value in a formal education, and many people undertake a qualification because of the ability to upgrade their jobs or earn more, learn new skills, not to mention the benefits of deadlines, networks, and peer motivation. However, formal education is only one type of schooling. A university degree can teach software, for example. But when I graduated from university, there was no such thing as web design. That There was no web, as far as I could tell, when I graduated from uni. So as a graphic designer, this was a type of schooling I had to undertake on my own. So I had to teach myself web design, and most of the first wave of web designers were self-taught. As a new technology emerged, universities struggled to keep up with demand for a new course. So we learnt as we went. You could probably say the same thing about social media and online business. If you're interested in technology that's emerging and new, you really have to take it upon yourself to teach yourself, because universities just can't keep up. Now, new knowledge and skills can be developed anywhere, and they can either happen deliberately or accidentally. So lifelong learning is about actively engaging in the pursuit of knowledge for personal and professional development. Typically, we look to formal education and qualifications for professional development and self-directed learning for personal development to enable personal growth. Now, I often hear the expression that you can't teach an old dog new tricks as an excuse to avoid learning something new. It's completely untrue, and it's just fear and laziness talking. The reason that people are scared of learning new things is that they have painful flashback memories to school, or they just don't want to appear stupid. It takes effort and a certain amount of humility to admit that we don't know something, and we have to push ourselves out of our comfort zone in order to learn it. However, the rewards are so great, and often the only thing standing between you and a major goal. So luckily, there are some strategies and techniques to help us old dogs learn new tricks. Colin Rose is an accelerated learning coach, and he's published widely on the topic of accelerating your learning, no matter who you are. Now, he uses the mnemonic MASTER when discussing the six strategies to become an effective learner. M is for motivate, A is for acquire, S is for search, T is for trigger, E is for exhibit, and R is for reflect. So let's go through those steps one by one. So step one is your motivation to learn. Without effective motivation, you're unlikely to stick with the learning process. It's that simple. 
It's important that you're motivated to learn for intrinsic reasons, and this means your own internal reasons. If you understand the bigger why behind your learning, that will help you motivate through the difficult moments. Now, as an educator, I've come to understand that all learning is an oscillation between certainty and uncertainty. So you need to stay engaged with the uncertainty long enough to move back to a place of certainty. This involves motivation and knowledge acquisition. Step two is to acquire the information. And to be honest, this is probably the part of the process that most people actually associate with learning. It's the finding and consuming of knowledge. So this part of the process can be enhanced by knowing your learning style and leveraging it. Humans learn using a combination of visual, which is what we see, auditory, which is what we hear, and kinesthetic, which is what we physically and emotionally experience. Most people use a combination of all three of these strategies, but there is often one that's dominant. So if you're a visual learner, seek out information which is written or demonstrated. If you're an auditory learner, seek out information which is spoken, such as a podcast or in person. If you're a kinesthetic learner, seek out information which is hands-on and practical. So an example of that might be if you want to learn to cook and you're a visual learner, then watch a YouTube video. If you're an auditory learner, have somebody tell you how to do something. And if you're a kinesthetic learner, then you need to actually get your hands onto a knife and an onion and start chopping and cooking. Now, obviously, all practical learning is a combination of all three of those things, but I'm just talking about when you're starting out, when you're trying to input the information, when you're trying to acquire the information, look at your learning style and try and pander to the one that's most dominant. Now, step three is to search out the meaning or context. So it's important to understand the deeper meaning behind what you're learning and why. So memorizing facts and rote learning might be good enough to get you to pass a test. I know I got a lot of my tests at school done that way. You just memorize it and then poof, promptly forget everything after the test is finished. As Edward de Bono says, your brain needs to reassemble itself to allow room for new information. So just memorizing it is not going to allow room for that information to get in there. So in my experience, if you put the information into your brain without finding a broader context for it to fit into, it'll simply fall out again. Step four is to trigger the memory. We cannot retain information unless we store it in our long-term memory, and we cannot access it again until we work out how to trigger it. So notes, files, studio practice, they're all ways to trigger our memory of the new learning. Sketch notes are one of the best ways to take visual notes. You have to synthesize the information in order to record it. Now, I often remember movies that I was watching at the time when I look at a part of an illustration. The painting that I was doing at the time, it's coded with the memory of the film. So sketch notes are a great way to take visual notes and then trigger the memory of what you were learning at the time. Step five is exhibit your knowledge. So there have been many studies which show we learn better when we know we'll have to teach it to someone else later. Rote learning to pass a test means the information isn't retained in your long-term memory. Synthesizing the learning so that you can teach it to someone else means it's placed in your long-term memory more reliably and the recall is improved. Even if you don't want to teach someone else the content, maybe think about embarking on the process when you're learning something as if you're going to have to share the knowledge later. It changes the way that you process the information. So step six is to reflect on your learning. Now learning is most valuable when you use it in an iterative process or learning and reflecting. So what worked and why? What would I do differently? What can I do differently next time? How can you improve it? Always thinking about systemizing the process and going back and examining what worked and what didn't. 
So one of the first steps to becoming a creative entrepreneur is to build your confidence with small, measurable achievements that build on each other. So a terrific way to do this is to actively learn a new skill for the sheer joy of learning. So the trick is to start simple. Rather than launching straight into a three-year coding degree, for example, maybe build up your skill muscles by giving yourself a defined length of time to learn a measurable skill. Be very specific about what you hope to achieve in this defined time frame. Otherwise, you'll only compare yourself to someone who's worked at the skill for longer than you. You have to measure your own progress. So maybe outline some things that you would hope to achieve, say, in three weeks' time. Set some measurable goals and then stop and look back at what you've achieved. And these small measurable steps build confidence because it's so easy to forget how far you've come. Taking some time to define your new skill is quite important. Think about how to make it quantifiable, definable and measurable. So I hear a lot of people say that they want to learn to paint. Now, that might be a great new skill, but it's not measurable. How do you know when you've successfully learned to paint? Now, I've been painting for 23 years and I'm still not as good at it as I would like to be. So instead, by defining the task, you can say, I want to learn how to paint a realistic-looking human eye using watercolour over two three-hour sessions. So that's much better. The task is defined, the medium, the time frame, and no doubt you can find a YouTube video with step-by-step -step instructions to help you get there. So get clearly defined about the skill that you want to learn. Now I suggest you grab out your journal and maybe write a list of 10 possible new things that you'd like to learn and then spend some time defining whether you'll be able to learn anything useful in three weeks. Depending on the skill you're trying to learn and the experience you've already got, you might nail it in one session or you might need to plan it over a few weekends. You might need some specialist tools that require pre-planning or it might be something that you can learn on the train or in the car. The next step is to build on your daily ritual by adding a weekly ritual. So Sunday afternoons are good, but it's up to you when you can steal two to three hours of playtime a week so that you can learn this new skill. So here are some three-week skill building suggestions. Maybe learn how to dismantle, clean and reassemble a carburetor in three hours. How about create a full lowercase gothic black letter alphabet using a bamboo nib? That's definable and you've got 26 letters. That's how you know when you're done. Maybe learn how to juggle three balls without dropping any. Maybe memorise a 500-word speech and recite it word for word. Maybe learn all of the elements of the periodic table. Learn how to say 10 complete sentences in Spanish. Hola! Sew and fill four new pillowcases for the sofa. That's something I need to do. Learn how to make 20 origami animals from memory. Now it's entirely up to you what new skill you learn, but the rules of this new skill are that it sounds like fun, you can access a book person or video who can teach you the skill, and you'll be able to demonstrate that you've learned the skill at the end of a three-week period. If it's a skill you've always wanted to learn, then that's wonderful. But if it's completely useless or an impressive party trick, then that's also wonderful. All that actually matters is the new skill is definable, measurable, takes practice, and you don't actually know how to do it right now. That's cheating. So you need to ask yourself if you've got access to the resources you're going to need, or can you find something or someone to teach you the skill? It's all very well to want to learn to water ski, but if you're nowhere near water for the next three weeks, that's not going to happen. There might also be creative ways to get around the resource problem. So you might have portrait photography on your list of skills to learn, but no camera. So is a short course in iPhoneography an option instead? Once you've defined your skill, you'll need to block out the time to learn it. And for many, this is the problem. But the surprising thing people find about this exercise is it actually takes less time than you think it will. So for many, it's just that issue of getting started. 
If the exercise will probably take about three hours and you can't block out three hours in one session, maybe try splitting it into three one-hour sessions over three weeks. The great thing about learning a new skill is that it's okay to be bad at it. You don't need to expend any creative energy whatsoever. You're just simply following instructions. So learning things requires repetition. So just follow step by step and keep at it until you've got it. The fun thing about this exercise is that once you've learned the new skill, you can share it with others if you want to. So give those origami animals to your kids or wow your friends with your ability to juggle. Maybe impress your husband with his new refurbished carburetor. Maybe find a Spanish friend and ask them where the bathroom is. Donde esta el baño? There is nothing more satisfying than evidence that you've applied yourself and learned something new. Build your confidence, know that you'll be able to add lifelong learning into any of your skills, and define that skill for yourself this week. Now, I hope this episode has helped persuade you to adopt a lifelong learning approach to all of the skills you don't currently have, but you know you're going to need to learn them in order to get where you want to go in the future. Now head over to creativesparkpodcast.com forward slash blog forward slash episode 17 and look for any links mentioned in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's topic and want to go a little deeper, head over to creativesparkpodcast.com for all the resources mentioned in this episode. Please also head over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. Remember to subscribe while you're there because it's easy to miss episodes when they pop up every few days. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Spark Podcast. I'm your host, Dominique Faller, and I will be back again very soon with another creative spark to light up your day.